I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Deborah K. Shepard, author of So Happy Together, a novel. As her stultifying marriage is unraveling and in the midst of mourning the loss of her creative self, Cairo Tanner has a nightmare about Peter, an old love whom she hasn't seen in 20 years. She takes this as a sign he still needs her. With her three children safely off to summer camp, Cairo embarks on a pre-Facebook, pre-cell phone road trip to recapture who she once was and what she thinks she once had. Set in the rock and roll 60s of Tucson, Arizona, when Cairo and Peter were kooky, colorful, and inseparable drama students, and in the suburban 80s, when Cairo's creative spark has been quenched to serve the needs of her husband and children, author Deborah K. Shepard explores the conundrum of love and physical attraction, creativity and family responsibilities, and what happens when they are out of sync. She was the director of a domestic violence program in central Maine, and her essays have been published by Herstory, Persimian Tree, Women on Writing, and Women Writers and Women's Books. And she also writes for Oldster Magazine, which, uh, Deborah, I that's how I first found out about you, because I was reading your essays on Oldster Magazine, which I love. So uh, can we start with that? Um, Sure, yeah. sure. I'm. Yeah. I'm. Um, I just want to let people know that Oldster is uh, not just for old people, um, because the the editor believes um, that words should be out about aging at any age. People are thinking about aging. So, um, in fact, yes, she. I submitted my essay, and I was thrilled to have it um, accepted. And thank you for clearing up the mystery of how you found me. So it's not, yeah, it's not how old you are, whether you're 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, or 100, as my mother just celebrated her 100th birthday, but it's more, it's the process of aging, whatever that age happens to be. Correct. Correct, right? Yeah. Right, all right, and and what happened for me is this is, you know, this is kind of my third chapter, and uh, after, I'm so excited to be interviewed by a sister social worker, but after a social work career, I... Uh, started writing um, again, and uh, the result was my book, and now I'm submitting essays, and I'm working on a memoir as well. So that's pretty exciting. It's very exciting. Let's That essay that you wrote, I mean, that's what captured uh, I'm probably the same age as you are, or I'm just definitely in that ballpark. So everything that you wrote about the aging process, I mean, I think in the beginning, one of the, you, you had written just you felt you you feel young uh you don't feel like you are at least the age that you are uh but stuff happens all the time to remind you of that you're a grandmother right you i think one right. of the things you said you tripped and fell and it was like oh my god i'm like an old person tripping and falling i can't hear as well as i used to all those kinds of things so maybe just talk to us about that cuz i think people over 65 will be interested in hearing uh, your experience? Well, I think, you know, as I wrote in the essay, it started um, a few years ago when I wasn't hearing as well. And um, I kept thinking, oh, I should get a hearing aid. No, hearing aids are for old people. You know, can't do that. It will mean I'm old. And then I had a, a conversation with my grandson, who was about six at the time, and he was sitting in the back seat of the car, and he said something 
about, I thought he said something about asparagus. All, all I caught was asparagus. And I said, and he, he loves to pick the asparagus in the garden, but it was already, you know, past when you can pick it. So I said, oh, no, we can't pick the asparagus this year because it's past due. We have to let it stay and, and you know, nourish the plants for following year, et cetera. He said, I didn't say anything about asparagus. He said, I left my boots in the barn at camp. You really do need a hearing aid. So... So out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I'm awfully glad he did because I am hearing things now. You know, I can hear the TV and I can hear phone conversations. So that was kind of the first step. And, um, yes, I've fallen a couple of times and um, started started bike riding about 10 years ago and got a little too cocky and fell off and broke my wrist. You know, things like that. So they're just little reminders every day. But I think... By taking on, you know, this writing and things, I, I both keep my brain, you know, young and and focus on something else besides the inevitable. Yeah, well, the inevitable is there, but when you say you keep your brain going, I mean, when they tell old people how to keep their brains going, like doing crossword puzzles, or that's far beyond what you're doing. <laughs> So I do want to right. say, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> doing, I'm still doing crossword puzzles and playing the New York Times spelling bee and Wordle every day too. But yes, but the writing really has engaged me in a way, um, in quite an unexpected way for me. When you say unexpected way, you started writing, you're writing about aging. How has that, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word transform because on some level it seems to, as I'm listening to you, transformed you, you, you look at aging in a different way than perhaps if you hadn't done this or hadn't had the opportunity to write like you write. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I was, um, as you, as you mentioned, I was the director of a domestic violence program for many years. And when I retired nine years ago, people said, what are you going to do now? And I said, Oh, I don't know. I guess I'm going to learn French. You know, I just, it was kind of off the top of my head. I had really had no idea. I thought I'd spend more time in my garden. I'd take French classes. Uh, maybe we'd travel a little and um, the other thing about my, my social work career is I was an administrator, so I wrote so many grants and so many reports and so many opinion pieces when I retired. I said, I'm never going to write anything again, except anything that's longer than a grocery list, because I'm so <laughs> tired of writing. And then after, you know, after the French classes and things, they, my local senior college offered a writing class. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. I'll just, you know play around with it. And one of the things about So Happy Together is I had actually written the first draft, oh, 35 years ago or so. And I had sent it out to one um, one publisher. I was so naive in those days. I didn't know you needed an agent and all that kind of stuff. So I sent it out to a publisher. It came back in the same box that I sent it in, and I put it in a box in the closet, and I never looked at it again. Um, and it moved with me from... Uh, upstate New York to New York City to New Jersey and finally to Maine, uh, where it sat in the box. And when I started taking um, a writing class, um, I had an idea for a novel. And I came home and I said to my husband, you know, I think I think I'm going to write a novel. And he said, why don't you pull out that piece of juvenilia you wrote years ago and see if you can take something from the, you know, what you wrote then and put it in this one and then you won't have to work as hard. So I pulled it out and I reread it and I thought, you know, this is not so bad after all. So, 
so when I, you know, when I took that class and I, I read the, read my manuscript, I decided to take that manuscript instead of starting all over again and, and revise it, improve it. And that's what I did. And I was completely engrossed, you know, and it just, um, and my head was back in the sixties and my head was back in the eighties and I was 20 and I was 40 and it was absolutely a wonderful experience writing that book. Yeah, I so identified with that book. You know, I said I identified with your essay, but also with the book. Is the I mean, the book is a novel, but is it a memoir? Right. Is it? A, is it? Does it touch on being a memoir? It touches. I mean, there are some aspects of my life that that are clearly in that book. I was a drama major in Tucson. Um, I, you know, the the character of Peter, who was her old love, is kind of a composite of people I knew. Um, I never took a road trip like like my character did. Um, so there, you know, there there's certainly um, autobiographical aspects of the book. Um, grew up in the '60s. Um, found my marriage unraveling in my 40s, my first marriage, and so so um, when that was happening, I sat down at my kitchen table at night after after the kids were asleep. This is when I wrote the first draft when I was 40 and wrote it on a word processor. Um, kind of, you know, I think when, when you have, when your life is kind of in upheaval, you sort of have fantasies about what if, what if I had done something different? What if I chose somebody different? What if, you know, what would my life look like now? And my character, in addition to fantasizing about all that, she takes the opportunity to go back to see if she could recapture both her youth, you know, her youthful creativity and maybe the one who got away. And you go back and forth but, from the, yeah, go ahead. Right, the, well, right. the present to, to, to what she's doing, taking her road trip, going back to find Peter. Um, right. To, yeah. And then her life in suburbia. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of always in the state of not quite feeling like she fit in, in either place or not, sure where she was going or what she was leaving, I right. guess, right? Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and always, you know, if you look back, there's aspects of your life you, you think were so wonderful, right? She was. She was a creative person. She was a budding playwright. And when she, when she finds herself at 40 kind of being, you know, losing her identity, she's somebody's wife, she's somebody's mom, she, she's not writing anymore, she's, she's um, feeling like those creative juices are all gone. And um, so the opportunity to recapture that is very uh, heady, you know? And um, so, you know, so she, she goes back, she takes her, her road trip. I, uh, to recapture sort of my creative writing, I, you know, I unearthed this, you know, this manuscript and rewrote it. So, so there's similarities, but it's, it, you know, I'm working on a memoir now, which is actually a memoir, which is not about that period of my life. But um, obviously, it's it's a very different um, kind of writing experience from writing the novel. So writing the memoir, you say it's a different part. What part of your life is it, the memoir? The, this is the part of my life with my first husband, who bears no resemblance to the husband in So Happy Together. So it was... Um, uh, it was, it was, uh, I married a man who was much older than I was. So that is the, my memoir is the story of that, that 20 years. And, and sometimes it's, that's really hard sort of going back. I found, 
I found a, a box of my first husband's le- letters to me, and that kind of kind of j- was the jumping off point for writing the memoir. When you write a memoir, it really it, it sort of it, it is a memory. It's not the exact facts, is it? You t- look you, as you say, you're looking at those twenty years and taking the facts, but now it's how you feel. The, the, it changes perhaps what the actual facts were because it is just your memory or, and you have a different filter right. now. Yeah. So, um, right. It's kind of my, my truth as I, you know, as I remember it, um, certainly if somebody else wrote this, you know, it would be a completely different, a completely different story because everybody, you know, everybody remembers, um, remembers things happening in different ways. Um, I remember one of my one of my um, writing instructors was talking about this, and she said um, <clears throat> that you know take a family of like four or five kids, and they get together and they're reminiscing about about you know what what happened around the table, and one says, oh yeah, dad was you know dad got really drunk, and he did blah blah, and somebody else said, oh he didn't drink so much, and another kid says, dad didn't drink, you know, so so yeah. there's sort, sort of you're filtering for, through people's memories, and everybody has a different a different thing they focus on. I mean, my kids now will say, "Do you remember blah 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 when I did this?" And I don't have any memory of it all of it at all because it wasn't that monumental in my life, but apparently it was in theirs. So they remember it, you know. I mean, that's so true. I have two brothers, and we just went through that kind of a conversation talking about my father, <laughs> and. Uh, we had a totally different perspective on what happened in this particular situation, you know, a situation we were talking about, the three of us. And, and right. sort of, yeah, and uh, it, it kind of replicates just what you said, um, which, you know, which is so true. The thing is, so happy to get it. I listened to it on Audible, which I, I that's what I find myself doing most of the time, which I really enjoyed. I, I mean, um, and I, I was identifying with uh the character. Um, I've never taken a road trip like she did to go back, but I, you take road trips in your mind too, as you say. Yeah, you know, exactly. What if I, well, my road yeah. trip was in my mind. It, Carol's yeah. road trip was a real road trip. But I know. I think you know. I think our lives have had similar trajectories. So that's why I'm really happy to be talking to you today. Um, yeah. I think you were also a drama major. I no, actually, I was a psychology major, and yeah, I was a psych major and have a master's in social work and and in counseling. But I'm also from Maine. That was another connection. I, I was, know. I yeah, know. you started out in Maine, and I ended up in Maine. And you ended up in Maine. So where are you in Maine? I, I'm on the mid coast, uh, mid coast Maine. Okay. Um, yeah, I started out there, and you ended up there. It's a beautiful right, state. Right. And I'm going to stay here because it's beautiful. So, um, and I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be writing in Maine. So what about, the you know, writing, yeah, writing in Maine and getting, this is support of other, uh, other writers, editors, people who are in the business. Is it a supportive community there where you are? Oh, absolutely. Um, I belong to the Maine Writers and Publishers Alliance, so I've taken many, because they give many workshops. They had a, a Maine Lit Fest last year where I sold my book in Portland. So so I am surrounded by, by writers. And in fact, the town where I live has a poet laureate. So it's a very, it's a small town, but it has a poet laureate. 
and and that's pretty exciting. So um, yes, and we gather every other month to talk about our work. I also, um, through my publisher, um, have a very supportive group of women writers. This is a publisher who only publishes women. And um, when I, you know, when I published my first book at seventy four, I, I was I got a little bit. Um, I don't know, a little cocky. It was like, oh, you know, I'm so special. I wrote a book in 74. <laughs> and then I found myself surrounded by all these wonderful women um, who have also, you know, sort of rewriting the third chapter of their lives by by writing. And uh, there was one woman who's in her 90s and is sort of trying to debate whether she's going to publish her third book, you know. So, so it's much better than being special, you know, being part of a community. Um, so that's another thing that keeps me, keeps me writing. So she's in her nineties. You're the baby of the group or one of the babies I'm in the, the group, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Right. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's, seven, it's, yeah. um, it, it's great to discover, you know, to discover this, this community of writers. It really is that it, it was, um, kind of icing on the cake for me. You know, I'm hold, holding my book. I have a book. I published a book, but, but, being with these other women, um, at least virtually, uh, we have you know we zoom every once uh, once in a while, and we we have a chat group, and um, it's just um, it really enhances my life that community. Tell me a bit. Well, you just mentioned third chapter, and I'm I wondering what third chapter as opposed to how do you know it's not your fourth chapter, or is the is, well, is this the end? The third chapter. My... <laughs> no, no, I think the third chapter is you know is open ended. But I, you know, I started out, um, I'm thinking more career-wise, I guess. I started out writing for a newspaper, raising my kids. Um, then I went back to social work school. So I was a social worker. That was kind of chapter two. And this is chapter three. But I, I don't see any foreseeable end, you know, um, to my writing. This is, so this is my writing chapter. This is, yeah, it's not necessarily, I was thinking in terms of life, you know, there's one, the, Begin, that the it goes from the first to the fourth for some reason, and <laughs> I don't know where I got that. Oh from. well, you know who knows, yeah. who knows if there's going to be a fourth. You know, maybe yeah. I'm going to become a scuba diver. I don't know. <laughs> but, but right now, right now, the writing is is my. I, I'm loving this third chapter. On to next. So, what's the most uh, frust? Is there, or maybe there isn't anything frustrating about it? Is there? What would be? It seems to me the age is not a frustration. That doesn't seem to be any, that doesn't cause any difficulties. Are, are there any fr particularly frustrating aspects to doing what you're doing at the age you're doing it? Yes. And I think the biggest um, uh, obstacle for me is, is the technology. Because, you know, once you write your book and it gets published, you're just beginning a whole other aspect, and that's publicizing it and marketing it and being on social media. And it's been a really steep learning curve for me. Sometimes I have to get my 15-year-old um, grandson to help me with, you know, with some kind of social media stuff. And so it's not intuitive for me and... and um you know, podcasts and, and Instagram and Facebook. And it's, you know, I'm kind of an introvert anyway. So I think a lot of writers are. So to sort of put myself out there all the time um, is, is, uh, is not comfortable. It's not so comfortable. I'm getting more comfortable with it. But, um, but yeah, nobody, I mean, people warn you. It's kind of like childbirth. They tell you about it, but you kind of ignore it. Yeah. And then I think you have to. Like, oh my God, <laughs> I have little, to do, yeah. you know. 
uh, well, I do remember childbirth and asking telling my mother after my firstborn was, I have three kids. You didn't tell me how painful that, why didn't you tell me how painful this, this would be? She said, well, I, I, there was no point in telling me and it, you have to experience it yourself. I mean, but I was, right. yeah, right. quite surprised. Right. After uh, my firstborn, I was surprised that anybody ever had more than one child. Yeah, me right. too. I'll never do this again, ever, ever. But I did. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So, well, the tech, though, you say you're 15, you know, I, I get that your 15 year old grandson helps you. But have you do you consider hiring a tech, an intern, somebody to help you to do all of that so you don't have to necessarily do something? I, that... I do have somebody I do have a, a quote, social media consultant, unquote, who helps me. Um, I have a newsletter I have that goes out four times a year. I have um, I have a uh, a website. So she helps me maintain that. So if I had to do that, I would probably not, not be doing what I'm, you know, not being, not being able to do what I love, which is to write. So I do have help. Um, and I'm finding, you know, as I get older, I'm needing more and more help with all kinds of things. Right. So, yeah. So well, why not have help doing this too? That, exactly. So, okay. So that's help the tech help for writing the book. What are some of those things that you need more and more help with that you, in your seventies? In my seventies, I love to garden, and um, I have—I kind of have garden envy. So every time I see some flowers or something, I put them in my garden. Or if there's no room, I dig another bed, or I have somebody help me dig another bed. And so I'm now ending up with like nine garden beds around my house, and it's way too much for me to, you know, to do the spring cleaning and the cleanup and the fall cleanup. So I do have somebody coming to help me do that, and that way I can still uh, enjoy my garden. Um, you know, but with some help. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, I love to cook and I'm just not cooking, um, as elaborately as I used to cook, you know, so, so, um, it's adapting and it's accepting and, you know, it ends up pretty good. Yeah. Adapting and accepting. I think those are the two key words. Those are adapting and accepting. You have to do both. Also, you have to, I think mm-hmm. also maybe one thing before that, you have to be aware that you need to do this. I, I think sometimes, and I would say someone like yourself, talented, always, you were always doing, maybe doing different things, but always doing, that it can be difficult to sort of be aware of, maybe I do need to, I do need help. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this if I'm doing that, that that kind of awareness of the changes. Um, right, make, right, yeah. right. And I'm a person who, you know, who has very long to-do lists. And if I don't, um, I, I, I'm not sure what I, you know, what I can do. So I like to be busy. Um, you know, my husband has, has hobbies. He collects stamps. He, he's, um, he's a musicologist. He, he has his volunteer radio show. So he has a much sort of lower key life than I do. You know, he doesn't need to be busy, busy, busy. He's really happy sitting in his chair reading and he's retired as well, you know? So, um, while I can't exactly adapt that kind of lifestyle, um, I can, as I said, adapt my own sort of needing to be, needing to be doing something, um, just doing a little less or doing it differently. Well, you two sound like a good combination. You're not competing with one another. 
I mean, which nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we only have a couple minutes left. It's been great talking to you. And th- I've been talking to author Deborah K. Shepard. This is her first book. So happy together a novel, um, but she's writing another one, which is going to be a memoir. So Deborah, tell us, give us information. Um, uh, you have a website. Uh, where we can purchase mm-hmm. the book or listen to the book and uh, follow you so that we can uh, read or listen to your next book. Okay. Um, so my website is DebraShepherdWrites.com. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D, writes, W-R-I-T-E-S.com. Um, I also am on Instagram. It's, that's D-K-S-H-D-W-74. And then you can find my book um, anywhere you buy books, preferably your local independent bookstores, because they really need our business. Um, But you can also find it online at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and uh, at bookshop.com, which which is a nonprofit um, and gives donates money to local bookstores. Deborah, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was a pleasure. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 